Welcome to Tomes. It's uh, episode three review of the Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power with me, Cody, and with Jason. All right. Well, should we just dive right on in? Sure. Uh, do you want to do it chronologically or by topic? Uh, you know, what? let's kind of cover it by topic because I think then that way we can kind of like focus our thoughts into that one, into one part, and then we can just slowly move across it. Okay. I am. So I have Nori written down first. It's kind of the shortest section for me. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's go ahead and dive into Nori's and the Harfoots. Okay. So I, with their whole story with the stranger and everything, I feel like mm-hmm. this could be a, ve- or it will be a very interesting storyline eventually. Yes. Right now I'm beginning to get wrapped up into it as well. In fact, actually one of my notes is like, I'm actually now starting to enjoy the Harfoot stuff because I think since they have kind of stepped away from some of the more humor a little bit in this episode, don't get wrong where Nori is under the table trying to reach up. I'm just like, that's kind of funny, but no, (laughs) I'm I'm not laughing. Yeah. I didn't find it very funny either. I just know what they're going for with it, but it, it was okay. Mm-hmm. And for I, I, I'm pretty sure that okay, we I think we both watch uh, Sanderson's podcast this week where he talked about the first two episodes of Rings of Power. I saw the first five minutes and then I had to do something else and I never got back to it. Okay, well, within the podcast, he's actually talking about how he's just like, oh yeah, Nori and Poppy are like uh, the Frodo and Sam characters, and he explains it just like, yeah, now they're given a burden that nobody asked, and now they're trying to go with it. Uh, one of them is distrustful of someone else in the party, and for him, I'm like, okay, kind of see where he's coming from, but I'm gonna playfully disagree. Uh, that's where I'm like, I'm so glad we were like, you know what? No, it's more of like Merry and Pippin. And having that aspect, that makes this a little bit more, makes it a little bit more sense. Definitely. I agree with that a hundred percent. Because everybody's trying to, I think everybody is trying to compare uh, Nori and Poppy to Frodo and Sam when I think in reality, it's more Mary and Pippin just cause again, everything they do, it's like kind of hijinks and sorry, that's Mary and Pippin. Whereas Frodo, Sam, they're very professional. They very much go about their day as they, they're good hobbits. But yeah. Like, society, like societal standing. Whereas Nori, Poppy, they're kind of being more rebels. So here's my thought with it. Okay. Is like with everything else in this show, it feels rushed. And it feels con- so condensed. They took four characters and put it into two. It's mm-hmm. Frodo and Sam with Mary and Poppin all wrapped into two characters. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I agree. I think they're trying to throw in like some undertones with Frodo and them. But in my mind's eye, it is more definitely uh, Mary and Pippin. But... Yes, I am. So my with this area, with how they are, and this is something they do a few times in this show with a few of the female characters. Mm -hmm. They are all extremely manipulative. Oh yeah. And this is the way, this is the reason why I don't care for Nori anymore. 
is the moment her friend was like, eh, I don't know, this isn't really good, we shouldn't be doing this, she goes, I'm just going to report all the bad things that you've done then, get you in trouble for this unless you help me. Yeah, it turns more into blackmail now that you mention it. It, it does. And it was, and so that's the only reason why I'm not sold on that portion of the story yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very end, I finally got that more feeling of, okay, this story is going to get better. This is going to be more interesting where the stranger hitched a ride and they didn't realize it. And then he helped push the wa- the cart, the wagon mm-hmm. to keep going i'm i thought that is like right there i was like okay this is going to open up into more it can be interesting it's doing a very slow burn like the rest of the show but this is the slowest portion yeah and that's the thing when it comes to like amazon tv actually when it just comes to like a book turned into a tv series is it's going to be a slow burn which for me i personally like because it gives actually that's kind of a contradiction given this episode given the series because i feel like again they're supposed to be taking a slower burn to this and they're i feel like they're trying to rush a lot of things like i think that's gonna be my biggest critique for rings of power series in its entirety and i'll definitely dive more into it when we get to andy or stuff Yes. But I feel like everything is just so rushed. They're throwing information at you and it's just they're covering trying to cover so much and it feels like in so little time when I think they need to slow it down, take it a step, establish more of these establish these characters more. I feel like the more just trying to throw out the story instead of having it these characters develop instead of us connecting with these characters. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I am. What my thought was with where they're going slow is a lot of the stuff is they're going, they're taking these really slow until something goes and then it's way too fast. It's, they lay, I don't know. I'm trying to think how to, because I feel like a lot of stuff went really, really slowly to get to this point. But then suddenly there's just so much. Like in those times that's slow when it doesn't need to be. And it's too fast at times when it should be slower. Exactly. Like action scenes. Okay. Let's have those be fast. Yes. Uh, Explaining politics. Okay. Let's take that slow. (laughs) Introducing the new character. Let's actually say this is such and such instead of random person just says their name one time in a heated time when you can barely hear it. And then you never know their name. Yeah, but going now quickly back to the Harfords. Yes, yes. I think I thought the whole like migration ritual stuff in the beginning was super weird. I agree, mainly like, because <laughs> if they did this every single time they moved, they would have more than two lines. Yeah, exactly. I have like, been on so many road trips, and I know so many repeat after me's. Like. <laughs> No, just like, okay, in the beginning where they do the slow-mo where I'm like, wait, is this orcs? And then it's like them in like the weird headdresses. Yes. Then coming, I'm just like, okay, why? Why? I, I could understand like doing, like once they actually got into camp and they were doing like the dances, the rituals around the fire, and then the reading of those they've lost. Okay, you know what? Honestly, if they kept the dancing and the reading of those lost, okay, you know what? That made sense. Yeah. Like, that makes perfect sense. But them frolicking 
in the trees in super slow motion. I'm just like, is this supposed to be a drug trip? (laughs) (laughs) Really? They do really bad with the slow-mo in this episode. Anytime there's slow-mo, I have been appalled by it. For me, I think the slow-mo is just random. And and I'll get into, like, when we get over to Gladrills, I will definitely cover that more. But specifically for the Harfoots, I'm just like, why? (laughs) Yeah, it just, it didn't, it's just awkward. It really is. It makes it feel awkward when a slow-mo is supposed to be, like, a good emotional connecting point. Yeah. And, and yeah, I have an entire rant when we get to Gladriel stuff. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> okay. Uh, am, after Anything? that, I have. Oh, go ahead. Anything else with Nori or the Harfoots? Uh, nope. Actually, I just found my note that says I'm starting to like Nori's story. Okay. Sounds good. I'm. So next one I have is Aaron Deer. All right, let's dive into Aaron Deer. Okay. I have about half a page of notes on this. So, I'm he's still my favorite character at this point. Oh, dude, same here. I'm like, this, in my mind's eye, I think he's carrying the show in every respect. I am, with one exception to me, there's one other character Ellen. that's a close second. No, Ellendil. Ellendil? Uh, or, Ellen, isn't it Ellendil? It's, he ends up being the king. His son is a Sildor. Oh, him? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, it's like El Deal. Yeah, I think you're right, Ellen Deal. Ellen Deal. Ellen Deal. Yep, that's it. Ellen Deal. I am. But yeah, he's my favorite character. Or second favorite. He's close to uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Deer. But I love the orcs with everything. They took him. They have his. I, I thought they could have done a little bit better showcasing that they had his friend and his captain taken as well. Um, because there's mm-hmm. just they're there, and you're expected to know who they are when there's so many other things they didn't give them any screen time. Um, actually, with that, that's who it is. <laughs> yeah, like I seriously had no idea. I thought it was just random elves that he knew. <laughs> nope, that is his friend from the beginning, and then his oh. captain. I'm okay. Oh my gosh. Sure. Okay. If that's the case, they okay. The, now I'll cover what I was going to say with the, the whole fast pacing. I think, because again, a lot of the Rings of Power, they're trying to throw in some Game of of Thrones elements. But what I think, and this is, I think with Aaron Deere's case, all of it, I think they rush through all of it. Like all of his stuff is so flipping rushed. Because honestly, would you love have most of an episode of Aaron Deere and his captain and everybody in that orc camp and see what it's like for a day-to-day life being tr- imprisoned by the orcs. That would be a full episode that I would watch. Just that. Exactly. It is going to be, it would have been a full episode. We would have sit down and watched and it would have made that escape scene mean so much more seeing his basically comrades, seeing them die. Yep. Because like, I'm going to mention this because going to Stormlight here, but bridge four. Yeah. Like when we see someone die in bridge four, especially like in book one, after they've been established, you're like, no, (laughs) like we need to have that emotional connection. And I feel like that is one thing they could have done so much more with Aaron deer. Cause they have a lot of good, like story elements. Like, honestly, I, there's only a couple things I would change and it's nothing with him, with the actual elves. 
honestly the things that change are with the orcs just a little bit yeah but it's just that entire story feels so rushed and like you know can we just let's go back to game of thrones level like let's look at season one where it is a slow 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 burn and yeah. then the last couple episodes wham hit you well, even so, with Game of Thrones, I only saw the first couple episodes, honestly. But they, in those times, the entire theme was still as slow as it was with the story. There was a lot that happened. Yes. And that's the thing that, that's the way to do it. They did a really great job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, there's slow times, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then the fast times, they throw way too much. And like you're saying, and the character just wasn't there. I didn't feel the character's death, his friend's death. I still don't know the name of the character. Oh, same here. I, I, I didn't feel his death. I knew I was supposed to be sad because they had the sad music playing and because mm-hmm. it was his friend that died, but I didn't feel sad for it. It wasn't a loss to me in any way. I had no emotional investiture in this character. Mm-hmm. And most people, like, you didn't even know that was his friend. And it may not have been. I just, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, Yeah. No, like, they need to spend more time establishing these characters. I feel like they're just, again, in every respect, they're they're half-assing it. They are. You can kill people at the start if you're trying to show the enemy is strong. But if you want someone to feel the loss of a character, you don't kill them within the two minutes of their screen time. Yeah, so, and that's why I think, like, the one scene where, like, no, we're not cutting down the tree, it didn't quite make sense, because we don't know enough about these characters, about their culture. We really don't feel it. We don't understand it. We're like, it's just a tree in the middle of a swamp. It's, again, us. I think us knowing the lore, we're like, oh, no, elves, like, elves and trees are, like, one in the same. Like, knowing that, but, again, you would have to know this. You have to make that jump. Whereas a lot of people who are watching Rings of Power, they don't know this. They really don't. So you need to show them, need to explain it to them. And that's, and this is where I'm frustrated with Amazon is they built this entire show around people who like the actual lore and how they set it up and people that have to already know everything about it. Yeah. But then for anyone that doesn't know anything, they're lost. Vice versa, they didn't keep it to the tradition of what the people who do know everything expect. And so they kind of tossed them out and then tossed the people who don't know anything about it out because they would have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, even with me, I'm like, okay, so I know elves like trees, but I didn't, I didn't know that it was a heresy to cut down a tree. Yeah. I. It just they imply it in there and but it wasn't something that's ever talked about in any of the stuff that i've seen it's mm-hmm. just i know the elves and trees they go together that's part of it but trees fall in nature so i, I didn't think it'd be a big deal for a tree to get cut down either yeah uh, so that's where it's very much they just they didn't lay the groundwork for what they have here they expect people to already know it but then they alienate the people who already know it it's just it, it, that's where I'm frustrated with Amazon. But anyways, back to Aaron Deer. I am. Uh, okay, real quick. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say real quick. 
the thing with the orcs that kind of bug me, irritate me, that I, I feel like it's just like it's so wishy, it's so inconsistent. I should say, is that like they have clothes to protect them against the sunlight, and this is the only time we see it. Why not take something like this into the ring, into the War of the Ring? I'm so with the War of the Ring for the most part they didn't need to because Sauron had his cloud that covered everything. Plus that would inhibit them from actually fighting. These guys aren't really fighting. They're just keeping the prison so they don't they're not worried about any, another army. I and so that way it, it didn't bug me. Uh I was going to say that because it's like that it and I think if anything what would have helped a little bit better is if they're enclosure like for the orcs was 100% dark yeah instead of like little peaks of light going through because from my understanding with the orcs it's like vampires if they get a hint of sunlight boom they're gone they're, they're turned to stone I thought that was uh, trolls. Oh, trolls, turned trolls, yeah, trolls was turned to stone. But nonetheless, the orcs like almost instantly die with the sunlight. That's what made the Urukai so formidable was the fact that these were like the first orkin that could actually go out into the sunlight, full fledged, and fight. Yeah. But so to me, that was not just like I feel like it's just inconsistent to a point. But again, as it kind of went on, I was like, okay, I can understand why they wouldn't do this. But to me, I just like, I felt like the scenery itself should have illustrated it more and said like, oh yeah, no, these orcs can go out in daylight. Because if anything, what helped go, okay, this isn't like foolproof is the fact that one of the orcs like, I hate daylight duty. <laughs> yeah. So, so I just looked it up from like just running through sources and such on... Mm -hmm orcs with sunlight i am so they can move through sunlight but it's not pleasant they come lightheaded and weak it's something they can do they'd rather avoid it's okay. it's not detrimental to them it okay. weakens them they don't like it but it's not something that would kill them kill them it's okay so i would attribute it to like someone <laughs> it's like natsu on a ship yeah yeah pretty much okay Okay, you know what, then that makes a little bit more sense. So that, and that's what was, again, I'm not perfect. I do not have 100% of the lore. And neither do I. That's why we look yep. it up. That's why we look it up, baby. <laughs> and yeah, and that's why we have different perspectives so we can see the mm -hmm. incident. It's exactly. Great. And, and uh, just seeing different things from different people's perspective, because actually that was one thing, uh, again, I enjoyed from watching Sanderson's podcast, yeah. is that we had different opinions on stuff. And we still took some of the same stuff away. It's just very interesting to get another point of view. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Okay. Um, so here's my one complaint with the orc setting. Actually, so, I've, so there was three specific things that I had problems with with the Aaron Deer side of things. I'm, I'm going to get through these and then we can talk about some more of the good with it. So the first one was what we talked about, his friend dying that didn't feel emotional. Mm -hmm. the second one was uh, the warg it looked like a chihuahua or a pug a warg needs to look more like kind of a hyena 
Yeah, it just looked like its face was too puggish or chihuahua, like those huge eyes, but more. Yeah, it just it looked ridiculous to me. I am, yeah. and I know that they're going with these are the early stages of everything. These are the early orcs, the early wargs, but uh, it just I'm, it didn't sell it to me as a warg. It just looked like a chihuahua. Or I, a I was like, yeah, no, I was like, oh, this is a warg pup. Like this is a puppy warg, but it's the that, same like, size as an adult. Yeah, uh, yeah, kind of. And it was actually, a mother. That actually, one was. I think I think it would be a little bit bigger if it was an adult. Maybe. Because that one did not look like you could ride it. It's true. But, but it then again, could... this is thousands of years before the events of Lord of the Rings. So that that's thousands of years evolution could have made it bigger. So I, I don't true. know. But still, it's just like, release the war. You're like, okay. Oh, it's a chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> it, it needs to be more intimidating. <laughs> well, it was a gen- it was just the eyes. The eyes yeah. bugged me the most. And that just reminded me of a chihuahua. And then its face <laughs> kind of reminded me of a pug. Uh, I just, I was not impressed on that one, to be honest. Uh, no, same here. I, I was just like, oh, Warg. Interesting. They threw on more CGI for the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you do you, but no, it, it did look like a freaking chihuahua. <laughs> it fighting like against the elves was good. Yes, the, the fighting choreography, that was fantastic. One of the things I love during all that is during the escape is where they took they did the circle where they each were hitting the uh, chains. And that was so reminiscent of other things we've seen from, um, I, my gosh, the other Lord of the Rings. The in the start when they forged it, they had the circle hammering the sword. Yeah, and it's just it's very elven. It tributes back to that, and it feels very elven in that way, where that's their mentality and how they do things, and very graceful and fluid and effective. I yes, I that little thing was amazing to me. I don't know why it just stuck out so much. Just because it to me it then rings more on like this is a team. These guys know how to do teamwork. They know how to work together. This is a unit. This is a squad. It got it got away from aha warrior Gladriel comes to save the day. To <laughs> we're a team. We're a unit. We're doing this together. Let's go. Boom boom. Yep. Boom. <laughs> all right. And so then they, after all that stuff, which is awesome, the fight. I am great and then his captain up there finally got up and it goes to escape and then he has arrows stuck in him i thought it was done great with all that but mm. there was one flaw and i don't know if you saw it or not uh i i'm not i might have missed it what what was the flaw the fletching i did not notice that it's a modern day neon fletching. green fletching uh oh okay so that could have been a mistake, or it could be a fact that maybe some of these orcs do have humies. But nowhere in Lord of the Rings did they have that. Nor do they have modern day plastic fletchings. Oh, okay. Yep, that, that not, makes sense. It's not a feather fletching. It's like what we shoot in our compound. <laughs> I'm not yeah, joking. I did not, I did not <laughs> notice that. I, I'll have to go back and double check, uh, rewatch it, but I'm like, what? <laughs> I did not notice that. So I was looking at the arrows. I was looking for the black fletching of the the orc arrows because they're so cool. Oh, and yeah. I was like, why is that green? <laughs> they didn't even and that's 
this is what goes back to this is something I was going to talk about at the very end, but I'm just going to bring it up real quick and we talk, fill it in later. This entire show, the sets feel small. Everything is yes. so CGI. Every single set feels small and doesn't feel like it's a part of a world. They'll randomly do those full view shots that makes it feel bigger, but there's still so much CGI. They couldn't even do arrows with actual fletchings on them. They had a CGI the fletchings in. That's ridiculous. And thing is, they have like seriously, it's a billion dollar budget. Like fletchings are can- like three bucks. Like this, like this is that would not be hard. It's just yeah. I feel like I feel like in a lot of respects they just they're again as I said before is like they're half assing most of this. Yeah. It's as we even said earlier in this podcast that in this episode alone that in the beginning it's just uh, they're losing people in both camps: people who know nothing about Lord of the Rings and people who do. It's like they're losing it on both ends. So, and actually I have one more critique in the, on the orc side of it. Yeah. And this could, this could have been fixed if they just spent more time with Andy or stuff. I don't feel like the orcs are cruel enough. I feel like they're very kind of cartoony villain esque when they need to be more like, Fearful need be more foreboding. Like, uh, so in Warhammer, they have the Dark Elves called the Drukari. These guys are the most evil creatures in Warhammer for a reason, because quite literally, they will torture people for thousands of years. Then, to end their torture, they will actually turn them into furniture. Well, that was unexpected. Yeah, like, and we're talking, they're still sentient. They still know that they are in great pain as a footstool. So that's how the mix are born. Yeah, they are homunculi. <laughs> that's what they are actually called. They are called homunculi. Okay. So when a Drukari raids a world and wins, it is basically the worst fate than death. Gotcha. And I don't feel anything like that with the orcs. I don't feel that impending doom. Where in like in Sons of Hurin, uh, Hurin actually gets captured by one of the general Belrogs and is enslaved in um, Mordor for years. Yeah. And I'm talking, it is literal hell on earth. And so an elven slave camp by orcs, I think they would be more cruel than here, have some water. Ha <laughs> ha, cut your throat. No, it, it would be more like, like, oh, you took, like, honestly, they would try to probably do something to the water, or force it down their throat, force down, like, yeah, because if you think in uh, the two towers, when Mary and Pippin need to get a drink of water, drink of something, they're like drinking oil. Yeah. That's more what I would have expected is just like holding them down, forcing down this oily water down their gullets. Mm-hmm. Not this trying to be psychological warfare, which made no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think what's going on with all this okay. is something that I mentioned a minute ago is that these are all the early forms 
of things. These are the mm-hmm. early ones. These ones are the still very much elven. Um, so they have that mentality type thing. They aren't as cruel and corrupted as later on. They're still that, I'm intelligent. I'm going to mess with you psychologically. And that type of thing. That's what they're going for is the early things of it all, as opposed to the established ones. And that's what it feels like to me. Yeah, but I would actually contradict it because, again, these would be the orcs that actually served under Morgoth, literal Satan. Yes. So they would. Yeah, yeah, no. That's why I just like, that's where it would need to, like, they would actually, in my opinion, be more dark. They were, it's like, again, you you took torturing lessons from the devil himself. Yeah. And that's. Instead of his secondhand priest who's been gone for thousands of years. Well, Austin, the problem is that you thought of it, and you put two seconds of thought into it, and they haven't said <laughs> enough thought into it. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's just, they have those problems, things like, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what it really comes down to, is they're, I feel like they're just trying to do their own thing too much. Instead of go with what was there. And that's where it's frustrating for Bullseye. Like, it's frustrating for you because this is how it should be. But they're looking at it from a different perspective. They're looking yeah. at and the other perspective of, oh, this these are earlier ones. So I'm there's all that stuff. And I have a question, actually. Sorry, kind of jumping on this. Do the elves not know that orcs used to be elves? Because I was the only person who ever says it is Saruman. When he creates the Orokai. Do the elves not know? I think they do know to a degree. I, honestly, I think they do know. But it's like that uh, that one family member nobody t- wants to talk about. Nobody wants to get into the history of it. Because in, in every respect, it makes them feel like they failed. Okay. I think that's what it is. Is I really and And again, and I could be completely wrong. But I really do feel like that the elves would know. And I would say, and even if not, this actually could be how they do find out is through Anandir's stuff right now. Yeah. Because as they said in the beginning, Adar is an elven name and that is their commander. And they were like, yeah, no, it it could be Sauron in disguise. And, And then as the episode ends we see here and only thing we really see is the pointed ears yeah i <laughs> watch it be that gladiel's brother <laughs> i want it to be like that I makes no sense. i want him to be evil so badly i am but with all this i feel like they are laying the breadcrumbs of showing that they're elves because they're wearing elven armor and i mean it's janky and doesn't really fit right so it looks like they could have taken it from dead elves but it kind of feels like these were like they're elves. holding on to the elven side of things. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to hint that they used to be that and no one else seems to know. And so I just that was the reason I was wondering. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And for all we know, it could be like they're trying to build up to quote unquote that big reveal for at least for that big reveal to Erendir. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is his friend and his captain or whatever rank they are okay uh, it is his command it's his commanding officer yeah i'm 
getting to okay. the point. I'm going to take a picture of the fletching. <laughs> and so just send it to me? To, yeah. Because it was okay. great. It it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it's loading. Okay. Well, while that's happening, yeah, uh, okay, I think we covered everything we did with Aaron Deer. Yeah. Okay. All right, on to the big chunk, the main. Hearing the big to the big chunk of the of the show, uh, Galadriel and the Numenorians. <laughs> okay, yeah. so. Oh, I'm saying the we, right now. Okay. So we start off with Galadriel on the ship on its way to Numenor. And honestly, I really do like Isildur's dad. Yeah. Elendil. Elendil. That's it. But my biggest complaint right from the get-go is the same complaint I've heard everybody have. Oh my gosh, what the heck is with the armor? Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, two things with it. First, why are they wearing armor when they're in open sea? There's no one to fight. It's heavy. It looks terrible. It goes between leather and then um, scale mail on the shoulders, but not real scale mail, stylized. And, and the moves. And the moves. <laughs> the moves are amazing. <laughs> like, like, we have seen like armor that's like contoured to the human body, but it's just the moob. Like, it's no. just move. Like, nothing else. I'm like, really? Just the move? Like, <laughs> it's co gender. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, I'm just like, what? What's with the move armor? And actually, okay, I actually originally did have the same note. It was just like, armor at sea? Like, why? Like, I had a question mark on, like, why would they do this? But, I could see it as if like we're coming home. If it was a grander homecoming because then wearing the armor would be kind of more symbolic. Like uh, come again, anybody that's like coming home from war, you want to see them in their armor. You want to see them coming through the city in parade in yes, their armor, but you would put but, it on the day you get there. Like as you're before you arrive, you see the walls start going up on the city. You put the armor on then, and then you enter the city. Otherwise, I have you ever worn body armor? Uh, like a plate I've carrier. Worn, I think I've worn a Kevlar vest, and those suckers are heavy. Yeah, so I have mine. Even just wearing it without plates in it, it gets uncomfortable. You get sweaty, and no matter what, you're going to be sweaty under there doing all this manual labor. There's yeah. no reason to be wearing it. There's none whatsoever mm-hmm. unless they're expecting to get attacked any minute. Yeah. I just, I don't which, see it. Which on a sea battle, that really wouldn't help. It wouldn't. So that's summer. where, yeah, you're going to be wanting to wear just like wearing the under. Honestly, only thing of armor I could rationally say, okay, maybe would have been like a chainmail shirt. And he's still, those suckers are heavy. Yeah. That would be the only one I could quote unquote rationalize because that one, okay, it's, you can move a little bit more in it. Yeah. Just... But a full <laughs> chest plate <laughs> with no. moves? With no. <laughs> hey, the back straps were cool. <laughs> right. 
the back of the I, armor I was legit, but the front sucked. <laughs> I couldn't even see the back. I was so like, what's with the moves? <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll take a picture because I'm on that episode right now. <laughs> Let me find it. Let me find it. Oh man, that's really at the beginning. Yeah, like it's literally like when we first see Gladiol. Five minutes in, like Shit. good criminy. Uh, I and, and then moving away from the armor. Yes, I am getting a very strong <laughs> vibe from Gladiol with the freaking knife. I know. It oh. is just like it is precious level, like just like, and she's like my precious, my precious brother's knife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, bro, chill. Yeah. <laughs> but so now okay, one so thing. Okay, go, go on, go on. Oh, I, I was going to say, gonna I was moving on to the next step. Let's go on to the okay. next one. Of what they did well is, I did like the establishing shot of Numenor. Like that is done. absolutely phenomenal. Done. I have written down how beautiful that CGI is. Yes, the CGI when when they sit down and actually, honestly, when they use CGI for sceneries, it is done very well. For yes. a lot of the smaller nitty gritty kind of stuff, where in one respect it kind of does and doesn't matter. It, that that's where it really falls through, but that's how we get Chihuahua wards and plastic fletchings. <laughs> yep. Did you see the picture of the fletchings? Uh, where'd you it's send to it? Your Facebook it's... Messenger. Oh, Messenger. Okay. I was expecting Discord. So. Oh, sorry. Shut messenger. up. Uh, no, dude, it's a good, so good. I got we can't. Eh, yeah, I'll just go my with my phone. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that is a green plastic <laughs> fletching. It's like, wait a second. Like, it, it's so bright green. Like, it will draw your focus there. <laughs> the moves. <laughs> so, and like I said, the other picture I sent with the plastic, or not the plastic, but the yeah. back strap, I actually think that looks really good. It looks really well done. I but the, the, the side front. looks great, but we also would get the side move. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all about the side move. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and this yes. one, I and as I was gonna say, the next note I have, uh, like going down from after a good city establishing shot, is I think Gladriel has a resting bitch face. <laughs> no, no, you're mistaken. She's just a bitch. True. Good. Good. Okay. But it, it really is just a, like that is just her face. It is boom. It is. It really is. I am. So with Gladril, I'm going to read this portion that I wrote on her. Okay. So coming away from it, Gladril feels very manipulative. She's narcissistic and honestly sociopathic. She sees people as tools to achieve her goals and bullies her way through them. Or she would, but she fails almost every single time. The scene, and then I, yeah, that's the main thing I want to say. Hold on, I, I can we pause real quick? Uh, yeah, I'll pause. Okay, so let's see here. Get established. Uh, uh, oh yeah, what you said. 
Which honestly, yeah, those are a lot of good traits that you would want in a politician. Yeah. Yeah. Not in a commander. Not a commander. Commander, you want someone who you can trust and is loyal. And especially like towards the end when she's like, oh, Helder is actually someone of importance. Yeah. Oh, I can use him. Like, it's just, she is very, yeah, very, 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 very manipulative and will only use stuff that she deems useful. Yes. I'm, I'm, what was that? Yeah. So that was a big theme with it. And then just the narcissism and arrogance meeting with the queen, which I have an entire section about to talk about the queen. I have an entire oh, section yeah. about that. But mm-hmm. just gradual side of it, where it's just, she just is such a Karen. It is, yeah, she is literally a Mary Sue Karen. Yeah. Like, um, that entire, like, the entire scene leading up to the Queen Regent is very much a, can I talk to your manager? <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, yeah... I am. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about the horse riding scene, and I'm going to read my excerpt on this first, and then you can read your or say yours. Okay. I am. I just, I have to share this. (laughs) (laughs) Go, go, go for it. So the scene with her riding is weird. I am. Absolutely. I I haven't seen any elves with horses before in the show, in this specific Mm -hmm. portion of it. So I don't know if it's that they just, she's never ridden and has always wanted to ride a horse, or what, but it's just so weird that suddenly it's all this stuff, and it's such a departure from her character. Because throughout everything else, she is so focused. She is mind-driven to, I am going to do what I need to do. To all of a sudden, like, just random, like, bipolar flip, I'm going to enjoy myself for the next little bit. I am so glad we're on the same page with this, because... (laughs) Okay, because no, 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 just the entire thing. I like, okay, first off, I'm going to talk to the scene leading up to this with freaking Gladriel talking to Sildor's dad. Can yeah. we just talk about how bad that knife choreography was? Well, can we talk about how stupid it is to threaten someone? Like, I... like the way she threatened him, it was so freaking stupid. Like, she's just, she's quite literally standing there in the middle of the street. Like, he's a good 10, 15 feet away. And she thinks she's going to cover the distance with a knife. And the way she does it is very like, <laughs> here's my knife. Like, I it's know. just like, I'm just like, what you do for when you do a knife threat is you slowly inch your way closer to them during your conversation. Like you're talking, it's like, I don't know. I could do this. Take another step closer. I could do that. I could do this. I could take the boat. I could, I could go out on the skiff. I've done it before. Oh yeah, what if I shout towards the guards and that is where then she could close the distance and then bring the knife to the throat saying, what if I don't let you? That is how it's supposed to be done, not like 15 feet away. Uh, What if I shout for the guards? (laughs) It was was very much like a mugging, like someone trying to mug him that has no experience mugging. (laughs) It it really was. I, I mean, granted, okay, to be fair, 30 feet. Within 30 feet, someone with a knife can get closer to someone before they can draw a gun and shoot them. And he has so a sword the, and a knife. Yes, because Shoot. he has a knife, though. And to be frank, of the two of them, he's much more intimidating and he has seems to have much more experience wielding it. 
I uh, I know in actuality, according to the show, she has much more experience. But the way that she handled that was definitely not not as experienced. <laughs> and everything we've seen, she's more used to having a like freaking fifteen foot sword. Yeah, not a th- what six inch blade. Yeah, like whereas guys <laughs> are very easily able to handle six inches. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, too. <laughs> you cut that out. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Or I could leave it in as bloopers. I don't know. I might keep it in. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm so sorry. Dude, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I the subtext. The subtext. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it was just it was dumb. I'm. And I just, okay. Yeah. Now going back to the horse scene. It's just like, oh yeah, muggy, muggy. <gasps> you have horses? Like I it's know. the one moment I'm like, okay, she might actually be a woman and underneath all that. <laughs> and here's the thing, here's how that scene would have made a lot more sense so easy so much eas- easier and would have been better. Instead of an episode one, the stupid freaking p- paper boat scene, have her riding horseback racing these d- darn kids. There you go. That is how you do it. Boom. It establishes a love of horses. It would have established that she likes horseback riding. And it would have explained the horseback riding and the weird slow-mo that they do. Yeah, it just makes no sense. It's just awkward. It's like set up to be this beautiful shot of her riding. And part of it is. But then part of it is just weird. Because why is she so ecstatic to be riding a horse? Is it that she's never ridden one before? Is it because she loves riding horses? We don't know. Exactly. Like, like seriously, instead of in that beginning scene, like we could even have the kids like doing the bullying on foot and then cut her cut away to her brother riding in on a horse and her admiring that. And as the brother's talking, they're taking care of the horse in the stable. Like just give us something that would establish her love of horses. Instead of all of a sudden we can ride there. <gasps> you have horses. <laughs> like it's just, it just felt so random. Like that is the best way I can put it is a lot of this is just, it feels random. It does. It really and does. We, and there's ways because again, I know in like in most books, like that there's the entire idea, like an improv, where in books it's show don't tell. Yes. Where you could have shown Gladriel just enjoying horseback riding, enjoying that as a youth, as a kid, back in the um, back home, back when she was a kid. Yeah. And then when she, and actually they could have used a line like that from in that first episode when they're in the ice cave. Whereas, like, there isn't anyone who misses home more than I. I miss riding my horse, having the wind go through my hair, looking at the tree, and, and just have her just be enveloped in that moment, just saying, I miss it. Yeah. That is all they would have to do in order to justify that weird horseback riding scene in slow mo and showing her smiling and having a good time without exactly. it being weird. Yeah. But they had none of that. They had zero of that. Instead, it was, no, this boat's not going to float. It's going to sail. <laughs> Which are like, seriously, did, did, were these guys on drugs when they wrote this? Or were they just, just that dumb? The answer is yes. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's just, 
the lines and the delivery of a lot of those things are terrible. And it's just, they don't have the lead up. They didn't take the time where they need it. And then they rush the places where they should have. Yeah. I guess that's the same thing. Rushing things. Yeah. So it's yeah, just like, I think, and that's the theme for all of Rings of Power. And the main critique, if any, if anybody like from Amazon is like freaking watching this, is take your time, build it, take and seriously establish these things because it's just it feels so random and it feels so rushed in most areas. And then the areas where you try to slow it down, where you shouldn't, it just feels like an introverted kid trying to introduce themselves to somebody new. It just feels awkward. It does. And I love that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. But now things that they did pretty well. I like that they did talk about Elrond's brother. Yes. I really I, like that. And I really love Isildur's father. I, yeah. Isildur is... I'll get to Isildur later, but yeah. I, Elendil is so amazing. He is... And I know they're going to set him up to be kind of like the toxic masculine type character but it's because i love that character (laughs) and honestly if they do that's going to defeat the entire purpose because because as i was because again seriously i sit next uh, as i watch the show and i go through the book because they try again like they did with the the dwarves trying to do ali's beard they did something similar because again i'll give them bonus points but the fact that he refers to the elves as eldar Mm mm-hmm Honestly, that would be something that he would actually refer to them, or well, specifically to Galadriel. And, and again, this could actually be a, mis- a mistake on purpose. Would refer to her as an Avari, because the Eldar are actually the elves that stayed in the homeland, whereas the Avari are the ones that went over to Middle Earth. Oh. So it was just more of a word classification, because okay. uh, originally what sparked it is. He referred to him as Eldar. I'm like, wait, we're in Warhammer now? Because that's how they refer to the elves as Eldar. <laughs> okay. So th- that's where I'm just like, it could, because again, Avari means unwilling to go to the light. Unwilling to return home. So in every respect, Galadriel is an Avari. But they could, he could be referring to her as an Eldar because he does not know that yet. So that is a cool like thing that they could thrown in there. And at first I was like, Oh, it's a mistake. I was like, or Beria, that could actually be what's establishing it is he's like, Oh, this is an Eldar. This is an L that came from the homeland. How do you spell Avari? A V A R I. The West Elves are the Eldar, and the East Elves. So the Elves from the West are the Eldar. Are the Eldar. Okay, so yeah, so technically, yeah, she would have been it. Would be an Eldar. But yeah, Avari have just say that they're unwilling to go to the light. Which, in the first episode, that's what it looks like, is she's just like, nope, I'm not going towards the light, and so she jumps ship. 
So Avari were elves. It says elves who straight up refuse to go to Amon, Aman, and would not take the journey, which included a lot of the first elves to awaken. Um, set in the era as a Mirkwood and Lothlorien. Okay. The, um, they would oh, be counted okay. among the Eldar, but they, yeah. So Eldar is more general, and Avari is a specific sect inside of it. Yeah. So that and, and actually, again, that's why I was like, okay, him going, him calling her an Eldar. That that's kind of a cool nod off the fact that he has that kind of history. Yes. So okay, I have to talk about this with him. I am with the queen side of it with him. Yes. Uh, Okay, I'm going to do the full queen part now, if that's okay. Go for it. Let's let's dive into the queen regent. Okay, this is on first inspection of it. This is my first impression. Why not just send Gladriel out? You don't want her there. Ship her away. It makes no sense not to give her the ship and just leave. It is purely out of spite between the two. And it just, even so, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, here's the thing with the queen, as I understand at the very end, they talk about the day that's, like, the day they dreaded. So it's going to be some sort of prophecy or something else saying that either a she-elf or Galadriel self is going to come and cause the downfall of Numenor. It's going to be something like that. Yeah, and I believe that that's accurate, too, because, because again, and they kind of established that in the first episode, where uh, was the high-elf king believing that Galadriel is going to be the catalyst. Yes. So I very much believe it's going to be that because again, this is how I'm going to see it going because this is how politically involved rings of power really is, is that it's saying, Oh, that this woman has been prophesied that she's going to bring the downfall and she's going to fight and resist it and not cause the prophecy to come true. And therefore she's right. She's the winner. That, that kind of thing where yeah. it's very Mary Sue and just like, <sighs> yeah, I which am. for me, like, and that's the other thing when they actually go to the library, like they quickly solve it and oh, big surprise. She's right. I know <laughs> it should have been someone else who found that and showed it to her. It should have been. It really should have been like, this is where, because, okay, I'm going to, since again, since freaking Jeff Bezos says he wanted Game of Thrones as kind of thing for Lord of the Rings, in like let's look at how we find out that Jon Snow is actually a Targaryen. Okay, it is through his friend Sam. His friend Sam spends basically an entire season in a library looking at information and comes across the family tree of the Targaryens and discovers that. Jon Snow is actually a Tungarian. And then it takes an entire another season for Sam to get back to him and tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, we need that. We need that suspense. We need that kind of buildup because that foreshadowing is what builds the intensity. We need our Sam. Yes, we do. Uh, Every show has a good Sam. Yup. Yeah, so that, that was my thing with the queen. I am, and everything with <laughs> her side of it, where I literally wrote that it's just 
a stereotypical portrayal of royalty where they're blinded by self-importance and like she's writing something but then she goes to her father who's either dead or the previous king who was forced out of the tower in exile they mentioned that little thing of the previous king mm-hmm. did that and so yeah. and then she goes and says, the day we feared is here and i i don't also i feel like it's just a bunch of bs that's forced in for extra drama it really is like it's it seriously i gotta say it's the kirkland version of game of thrones it really is yeah because i feel like they're trying to do the game of thrones politics but they're trying to speed it up which you don't do no you can't speed up politics you can't speed up politics because that, <laughs> that that in and of itself is uh, an oxymoron <laughs> <laughs> politics are slow is it's planning it's building and that's what again if they were going for like oh po- political game of thrones ass kind of stuff you gotta be super slow about it you gotta go it go with gladriel and, and the queen regent queen regent goes oh no 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 we want to keep you here you, in fact how about this you'll you'll stay as my guest we will keep an eye on you make sure tend to ev- to every aspect of your well-being and then we'll see what we can do to ship you off. Yeah. Instead of it turns into, it, it's basically a female version of a man dick measuring contest. I know. I was going to say just a pissing match. Exactly. It really is because like she comes in like, uh-huh. Uh, sorry. Gladwell comes in going, uh-huh. I, I'm an elf. I, we are the ones that gave you this island. We're the ones that gave you this. And Queen Regis is like, what did you say to me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, yes, we got the silence gift, but wasn't from the elves. We paid for it in blood. And she's like, Oh yeah, no, we paid the same price. And she's like, This isn't your land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is just And that's where I put that she's really the narcissist. Oh, I am where and it's it's a thing where it's the undertones of racism and such, which I do appreciate that they have mm-hmm. the side of things where elves and humans have that discord. Um, but it's just funny to me that all of the el- like the elves are hated by everybody. Mm-hmm. Like literally every single human race, allies, enemies, everybody hates the elves. But that just... Or it just could be Gladriel specific because they spent five minutes with her. That's fair. That's <laughs> very fair. <laughs> because, like, let's be honest here. Okay, let's let's swap shoes. Like, imagine if it was Elrond that came to Numenor instead. It would have been the same. I mean, he would have handled it so much better. He would have handled it better. Don't get me wrong. There would have still been the racism, but instead Elrond would have, he would have approached it in every respect, how Princess Leia would approach any type of dip- any type of diplomatic situation, she would have handled it. She would have done amazing, and so would have Elrond. Elrond would have gone, "Look, I know I'm not wanted here, so why so why make the people so congratulations? So why make people suffer me here? In fact, you threw my brother out. So why suffer me here? You know what? Just give me his ship as soon as you can, and send me back to Linden. Send me back there." Like, that's how Elrond would approach it. Don't get me wrong, less different situations, considering freaking Gladriel disobeyed orders, defected, is basically in exile. Yeah. And she's like, must go to the Southlands, must go to Southlands. Which they're like, you're literally telling us to send all of our troops that we really don't want to and can't spare 
sending them to what we what you're going to be telling us is an orc infested wasteland. Yep. Why? Give us a reason why. Yep. Like it's just like they need to build it, and then Hellbrand's just like, oh, I'm going to smooth things over, and I says like, okay, yeah, no, he he's Sauron, he's Sauron. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kept getting that vibe, and then at the very end, they had the thing where they're trying to make him into like the Aragorn character. Uh, yep, I have I have that in my notes too. It's like they're so, they're yeah. trying to make Hellbrand and Aragorn. So for, let me transition over to my Hellbrand paragraph. <laughs> He's almost as bad as Gladril. Oh yeah, <laughs> he just hides it a lot better. He's just as arrogant. He just tries to do it when no one's looking. I try to sidestep things. But here's the thing that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He's able to lift a blade off of a captain from one of the ships in the middle of the queen's chamber, like palace area, the throne room basically, filled with guards watching them closely. And he does a simple hug and he's able to hide it. Hide it where? He had nowhere to hide it unless he shoved it up his prison wallet. (laughs) That, That was literally the thing. But then later on, he can't steal a medallion off of a drunk guy at a bar. Yeah. I and understand later being caught, but he should not have, I, he but should not not have immediately. get away from the first guy. And, and could we just say how fast that guy sobered up? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that that's ridiculous. I'm, so let's see here. I, yeah. And of the two, I actually really hope he's not Sauron. I think his character would be better off as a knockoff Aragorn than he would mm-hmm. as Sauron. I am personally. Mm-hmm. And that was my first impression from the trailers. Seeing the original trailers with everything, when it first shows Halbrand, that's who I thought it would be, is an Aragorn-esque character. Mm-hmm. I am. They went more rogue than they did Ranger, though. <laughs> yeah. And, but then he's so focused on smithing that... I feel like he is going to be him, and then it's going to do... I feel like he's going to end up impersonating Elrond, and that, and then he's going to, as Elrond, create the rings with... Um, Kelbrimbor. And that's kind of what I feel is going to happen, mm-hmm. because they're establishing that Elrond's working with Kelbrimbor, and in the lore, it's an, he, Sauron disguises himself as an elf to work with Kelbrimbor. Uh, yes, I believe so. But, and and again, I think this actually where a lot of fans are mad and angry is because I actually believe they, he, they, there is an actual name that Sauron uses as the disguise. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but there is an actual name and it's not Elrond. Okay. Uh, what I believe is going to happen is right now with Elrond and Cal Brimbor, they're quite literally in the pre-production phase. They're trying to get the workers to build these houses. They're trying to get people to build the smithing works. So they're not even to the crafting of the ring yet. And actually, I believe originally there, all the rings were actually meant for the elves. Like it wasn't like, or we're going to distribute all the rings evenly. It's like, no, it's quite literally the elves were like, Oh, we can use all these rings of power. We can use them ourselves. And it's through other means that the humans, the dwarves, they're able to get it, and I believe that's where Sauron will come in. Is that Sauron will see these rings of power being used, and it's just like, huh, I can make turn these to my advantage. 
I'm so his name was I'm Anatar. 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 I'm So I can see it going more like uh this is my personal theory and we'll see if I'm right is that they mentioned briefly that Hellbrand it was his family that took up arms against Morgoth is that am I correct in that no his family was the ones that swore a blood oath to Morgoth to serve him okay so with that they served the blood oath and so as part of the blood oath it could be oh Sauron now can control my body or he can use my body as a mask. Yeah. That is more what I'm guessing is going to happen because even as he says, like, you don't know the stuff that I've caused. You don't know the evil that I've done. It's very much more on like, he's like, I know what Gladwell's trying to get at. So I'm going to play the sympathy card to make her get more invested with me. Because apparently she's making all these horrible decisions and what more of a horrible decision can there be saying you don't know the evil that I've done. Yeah. Which honestly, the way Hellbrand did it is a lot better than Gladiel's I've seen things. I know, right? Just cause his is just like, you don't know the evil I've done. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to say that. And he doesn't keep on going, you don't know the evil I've done. You don't know the evil I've done. You don't know the evil I've done. It's like, it's one line. He says it once. Yep. Um, So they did make the rings specifically for the dwarfs and for men. Mm, Okay. They made them for the rulers of Middle Earth to give them power to be able to rule. Um, Gotcha. Okay. And then Colin Brimbor forged the three rings secretly for the elves. So that way, and Sauron didn't know about those. Interesting, because that's not the vibe where I'm getting from the show. <laughs> but then again, the show's inaccurate in so many ways. Exactly. <laughs> but um, other than that, let's see here. So, what else with Halbrand? Oh, my hope with Halbrand. I hope he actually becomes the king of that region, and he's given one of the rings, and he becomes one of the nine. And mm. his smithing, I hope he becomes the Lord of Morgul, and he creates the Morgul blades. Because all the forging that he sees is blade smithing. I hope he creates Morgul blades. That's my... I think, if he's not Sauron, I love that idea. I know, right? That, I think that's a way better story, in my opinion. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, oh. oh, yeah, and, and here's the thing that that just, I'm like, very inconsistent. Galadriel is actually known in Numenor? Why was that inconsistent? She was there from beginning. Like, she has a reputation, apparently. Yeah, for the orcs fighting. Like, they saw her as a hero. Yeah, we don't hear that until it's coming out of Hellbrand's mouth. Um, did you not see the puppet show? Uh, did see the... Yeah, I saw the puppet show, and I know that is a reference to... Gladriel, but it's just like I'm, I'm more saying just like they needed to establish that like have some type of remark when she's dealing with the queen yeah because 
honestly, okay, so it, it's it's two petty women going at each other in that courtroom. Am I right? A hundred percent. And just like, like honestly, and she, the queen could have started off as just like, no, we don't kneel here, especially not to one who, like, especially not to one that's the killer of orcs or like what I think he used like a specific name. Yeah. Like subtly put that in there. Yeah. I think that would have been, that would have, that would have been a bigger punch. And, and honestly, I think that would have thrown Galadriel off too. So politically wise, that would have been a smarter move. Yep. But no, instead it's just like, who are you? And, and even still, she kind of gone, okay, we don't know who this is. This is an elven woman. But after Galadriel says, all this is like, uh, armies of the North. It goes, ah, oh, yes, the Slayer of Orcs. <laughs> yeah. Or I think we recognize you. It's the Scourge of Orcs. It's like, ah, the Scourge of Orcs. Well, we are delighted that you have come to our lands. Like, and that's, and that's where she could turn. It's like, so in what way can we be of service to you? That would have opened it up. It's like, I need ships and armies to go back. That's where it's like, you know what? We do not trust your kind right now. So if you, I would, but given your history, given everything you are, we would love to establish you as one of our guests here at the palace. You'll be give, you'll be tended to every need and we will discuss further, a further employment, op, like a further uh, kind of agreement option in the future. Yeah, like but creating... the whole thing is that there's this background. Sorry, go ahead. Go for it. I was going to say, just something like that, again, I made sense. And the only reason why it wouldn't work is because they established that elves are turned away and are forbidden from being in Numenor to begin with. True. And which, again, she could have... Sorry. I was going to say, which she could have actually even established is just like, usually we don't allow elves to come to our lands, but again, this is such a special case. We will see what we can do to get you out of here. Yeah, and like that's something what doesn't make lines. sense to me. If they're not allowed there, why not make them leave? Exactly. Why not be like, sure, let's go. And it just it doesn't make sense. And that's where I went off with about the prophecy that they're going to have that Gladiel's going to destroy Numenor or some crap like that. I'm going to say, and even still, there would be another subtlety to it. It's just like, oh no, she's going to destroy Numenor. Let's keep it here and assassinate her. Like, that would be the play. And and even I, still... They wouldn't even that's, have to assassinate her. They could just execute her. Yeah, straight up execute her. They would just straight up kill her. I, just, I don't... And that's where they may have some... Have. They may have some really <laughs> clever thing with this as to why. And I hope that they do. And I'm really hoping that it makes sense. I am... But I don't expect a Sanderson level reveal about things that I dislike. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just gonna say, I feel like they made the men very simple-minded. Yep. And Submissive. made these, yeah, and they made these women like pseudo smart. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, and again, the reason why I'm saying pseudo smart is because again, Gladwell, she is extremely smart, especially in the books. She is very tactical. She is very smart. She is like freaking Athena. Yeah. And I am not getting any of that from Gladriel. I'm not getting any of that from the Queen Regent. I'm not getting that from any 
woman in this show. I'm not getting a smart, cunning woman. I'm getting a petty, manipulative woman from this entire show. I agree with all except for one. Arian. Arian? The daughter of Elindel. Yes! I love her character. Okay, Isildur's family? Love them. Isildur, uh, I got... We'll talk about Isildur in a moment. (laughs) But she's the only one that I I would disagree with. Um, The rest, I agree. It's the pseudo... The pseudo intelligence that yeah. deems work out for them because plot says it works out for them. They're exactly, right. yeah, plot armor. Plot, yeah, they have plot intelligence. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we brought up, okay, a sealed door. Okay, I feel that they are setting a sealed door up in the sense that he's already corrupted. That it's uh, not the ring that's going to, that he's going to descend down, and this is why the ring is able to correct him. That's this is how I feel, just based on what I saw, real quick. I am that he has those good qualities, he has some good things, but he's already, I feel like, already being a weak person because he's not strong like his father is the reason why he's going to fail. As opposed to the ring just being so powerful, it can corrupt even the best. Exactly. Like, this is going to be the man that becomes the king of the Dunedain when Numenor falls. Yep. Like, this is a man who has to have that integrity that works with Elrond and resists Sauron. Like, this is a man that is supposed to be uncorruptible. Like, it has to have... It's uh, <laughs> Actually, that's <laughs> like Elrond. Elendil? It's Elendil who does all that. Yeah, at the very right. end, yeah, he right. gets killed by Sauron, and then it says Isildur, son of the king, took up his father's sword. Yeah, took up his father's sword. Yep, you're right. But you are right. But that's who he's supposed to be, is the one who steps up. That despite exactly. everything, he steps up. And in that moment, from taking it there to the... Uh, to He takes it there to destroy it. He has every intention of doing it. But then it corrupts him. Exactly. He needs and actually, to be that good, just like his father. And I feel like that could be what they are aiming for, uh, just in a, uh, of course, Amazon wrong way. Because if you think about, it, look at the ship scene. He goes in, and I believe he actually is able to help. Yes. He goes in and he does step up. It shows him stepping up. Yes. Like he's very much of that character, but he does have his self doubts. And that could be something that is going to be a character arc for him. Yeah, but I think my entire thing is I don't think Isildur is supposed to be alive right now. Okay, so and this is where I understand because he's not supposed to be. But yeah. what's but going on? Sake. And they're condensing three thousand year, like three thousand years of stuff down into a single series, ten episode. <laughs> yeah. So things like that, I don't mind. Yeah, I, no, what that's what I'm just like. Done. Sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that, that's one thing I'm like, okay, yes, it isn't accurate, but this is where, that's the thing when it comes to films, show, whatever adaptation is, there's going to be changes. And that's one of the changes they have. Yeah. I am. So one of the things they could have done, and I think would have been amazing, is it has Galadriel go and do something. And then, or like one of the elves go and do something. And then when they come back, everything's changed again. Because it took, um, like 
15, 20 years to go do something. Mm-hmm. And then they come back because they don't realize the time difference because they're elves. And so it's like at the start of this first episode is literally things happening there. And then it's a time jump, but the elf doesn't really realize it until they get there. So like with Elrond and uh, his friend. Durin. And Durin. How it's like, it's been 20 years since you were last year. All this stuff happened. I think that would have been so cool to see things from the elves' perspective and just the world changes whenever they yeah. go somewhere because it's been so long and they don't realize it. Yeah, I agree. And that could yeah, no, and their, their travel. Oh, yeah. And then their fast travel scenes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's very much fast travel. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, actually, okay, there was one thing that did throw me off a little bit in episode two. And actually, Sanderson addressed why it fell off. Yeah. Uh, so when Celebrimbor and Elrond go to uh, Moria, yeah. I want to say. Kazadun. Kazadun. Yeah, you're right. Kazadun. Uh, they're walking there. <laughs> yeah. That makes zero sense. Uh, especially to like two highborn elf walking around. They should at least have escorts, if not horses. Exactly. And that's where I think. I, that's where I got the idea that they've never like elves don't have horses in this <laughs> because they walk there. Okay, you we can walk there. It's a simple walk. This is the best blacksmith we have. Let's walk alone. Exactly. I just like, but they would at least have a procession of elves. Yep. Like that. That at least would have made sense. Not like two guys Game of Thrones cell walking into a scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. Okay. But I think those... Oh, yeah, no, I actually had one, like, no, from after the entire series. Yeah. So we discover that the symbol is part of the dark speech. No. That it, the, it, 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 dark it's a map. It's a map. Yeah, yeah, it's a map. So does that mean the mark on the blade is to say, yeah, this is from this region? <laughs> Exactly. So the, it's on the blade and then on the brother. Why would it be on the brother if Sauron's trying to get his people there? And this is the only reason why I can see that they're taking back the, like, his brother's not actually bad, or her brother's not actually bad. Mm-hmm. Is he marked himself with it so they could see it, and that way they could yeah. find where he's at. Yeah, and pass on that message. Like, his last dying thing is like, ee, ee, yeah. ee. <laughs> But then how did they find the body? Like, I... Sauron would just destroy that. Yeah, Sauron would have like burned. Exactly. So it's just it. Like, just, it's I, an inconsistency. Like this entire mark thing is so inconsistent. It is, and it's because they're trying to wrap it in secrecy. Like there's all these things with it, but it it's not. Yeah. And what's the mark of Sauron from Lord of the Rings? I is it the have... same one? For me, it's just, it's the eye of Sauron. That that's always what comes to my mind. I my mind's eye. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking of on their flags, the orcs when they would go out, they had something. I thought. Oh, uh, let me see here. Okay, yeah, it's completely Yeah, it's the, 
Yeah, it's what I'm saying. It's the eye. I see the eye. I see a skull. Um, yeah. Yo, like, yep, the I'm eye. S- the main one is the eye. It looks almost like a Sheikah eye. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what it. Okay. So this is just a load of bull. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a load of crap. It's a crappy plot device that makes no sense. Yep. But. Plot intelligence. Uh, let's see here. I had a couple other things. What is the Valor again? Oh, the Valor, uh, they are basically... They're basically like gods. Like, uh, like okay, there's Ulavartar, the one. Okay. And then he created the Valar. So I'm going to be using a little bit of our church doctrine into this to try to explain a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like Ulavartar is God. Okay. The Valar would be like uh, his sons. Okay. So it had been like Jesus, Lucifer, Holy Ghost, that kind of idea. The Valar are basically like, so now looking at like Christianity nowadays, they believe that Jesus Christ and God are one. Yes. It is that idea. The Valar are, would be equivalent to gods from mortal man's perspective. When the Valar were actually born of, from thought of Ilavatar and were sung into being. Okay. So the Valar, in every respect there, I'm going to say they're gods with a lowercase g. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, and, and I'll, I'll double check. I just looked it up and that's right. Okay. I am. Um, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Just, they referenced it and they talked about it. The queen mentioned the Valor. I am. Um, something about it. And I was just like, what is that again? I couldn't remember. So, okay. That fits. Um, and then the last thing I have, to, uh, I should have said this one earlier, so we don't end on this. Did you catch the joke about the two different places that they kind of joked about sex? No. One of them was with the Harfoots. They're, it's, I wonder having the town meeting and everything after the reading of the names. I am, he's talking about like, okay, we're going to leave tomorrow I am. We're still gonna have them with us. Now, everybody, I am like basically like stay close to camp. I am, and like the shenanigans you guys get up to after this, you guys will be in sight of the wagons. So we don't want to see that. Oh, okay. I did not catch that. Yeah. So there's that one, and then the other one was less about sex and more just hitting on Isildur's sister. It was mm-hmm. just kind of awkward. It was just. Okay, yeah, guys. although oddly, I got kind of a more ding ling 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 vibe when Isildur goes to his sister. I'm like, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, but then he hugged the horse, so it's okay. But then he hugged the horse. I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, okay. You know, that, that, that's not sure if that's better. <laughs> the but him being more excited to see the horse than his sister. Okay, you know, that is a brother. Yeah. That is a brother. <laughs> it was. That was just a joke. But yeah, like, I, yeah, I think. I think they've done a lot of things well when it comes to a sealed door's family. I agree. Like a lot of, uh, like I loved a sealed door's dad. I don't like how they're trying to portray him as like this toxic father figure yeah. when he's not. 
in every respect, it's more on, it's a single dad vibe I'm getting from him. Yeah, it is. And it's a single dad that's just like, I am dealing with teenagers. Like that is the vibe I'm getting from. And just like, no, like I'm, I'm I'm not telling, I want you to be better than me. Be better than me. There's no point in you going over and fighting there. Like that's where the whole thing's like, let the past die. It's like, I don't want to see my sons die for a pointless cause. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there is an exiled son as well. Yeah. Very much so. And and again, for all we know, that could be like some foreshadowing to something else. Yeah, exactly. It will be. It will be. Yeah, I but, think that kind of wraps up everything about this episode. Yeah, I um, think so. Overall, I think it was the best of the three. Okay. Uh, I was going to rank it like between first and second. Because I really like the second episode just because of Elrond and Durin. Like to me, that, that was the highlight of episode two. That's fair. But I, I love Elrond the- so much that this one was the highlight for me. Yeah. For me, I just, I like the pacing in this episode because that one made sense because they did focus more on two or three stories. Yeah. I think it really need, but they really need to sit down and focus more and flush out these stories because one thing, because again, this is where I do like watching Sanderson's podcast because it gives me an insight to a professional writer where he was just like, honestly, if you're trying to build up to the rings, what you need to do to get there is throw in a lot of like sub stories because these things happen over the course of thousands of years. And so what we could do is be focusing on more smaller problems, smaller goals, like start off this series with Erendir stuff, how the Southlands are being taken over. Focus so much on that story, on how it's getting taken over, why it's getting taken over. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then have Gladriel in the background, like, they try to make Gladriel the primary character in the story when honestly it should be Erendir. Like have Erendir be it and Gladriel be just kind of a background figure that is solving the mystery. Yeah. Very much kind of like how in Game of Thrones, Sam is doing that with uh, being a, oh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember. But where he goes to the library to become, um, ah, the name's slipping my mind. I want to say Mason, know. but anyway. But where it's like that's happening in the background, and then we have the main story that's like really drawing us in. That is action packed. That is everything that Aaron Deer's story is. Just focus yeah. and expand on that more, and then then that way they could tone down Gladwell being the warrior <clears throat> elf, and focus more on her becoming a detective, figuring things out. Which is why one of my favorite female lead characters of all time is Kate Beckett from Castle. Yeah. Is because she is smart. She is a detective. She's still a go-getter. But she thinks first. In 90% of her cases. The 10% being her personal trauma with her mom. But even still, that's where you have Castle to rein her in. There's got to be a balance. Yeah. And with Gladriel, there is no balance. She's a strong, independent woman that doesn't need no man. Unless she's drowning. Unless she's drowning. (laughs) But then she's still going to pull him onto the raft. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I still freaking hate that part, just because it makes no sense. 
where's her husband in all this? Uh, from what I understand is she is actually supposed to meet him at some point during the series. And I don't know how we're going to get to that point. I don't know if we're going to get to that point. (laughs) Because it just, it does not make sense currently. Part of me feels like they're just going to give up. They are really signing themselves up to fail. They are. Caliborn. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's going to conclude our episode. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, well, so we'll catch you guys next time. We will shelf this discussion and we'll p- resume on to the next chapter next episode.